Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is the number one seed in all Bills podcasts. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Bills top the Chiefs in Kansas City, the headline of the week. I don't know where you've been, guys, but it's Friday, and so I'm guessing lots of people know that by now. Um, but another thrilling Bills-Chiefs classic, maybe not as high scoring as everyone had thought it might be, certainly as high thought scoring as I thought I might be, as I thought it might be, uh, but they win a close game. Um, they win a close game uh, with a great drive and a defensive stop. Um, so once again, showing that Sean McDermott sort of improves incrementally with each of these sort of setbacks. Um, so now he can just do that again in, in December or January and, and uh, or January. And, and, and that'll be like really, really tits. Um, but yeah, the, the bills, I mean, played like the best team in football and it took the best team in football to beat the chiefs on the road. Uh, Josh Allen, 27 of 40 for 329 yards, three touchdowns, another offensive player of the week in the AFC. Um, smatterings of contributions from others, Stefan Diggs and Patrick Mahomes, uh, looking, you know, pretty okay. Uh, <laughs> only looking semi elite versus the usual full on elite. Yes. Right. You know, well, the bills certainly, you know, have, have had uh, a couple of good games against him, even though that not all the, the, the results have gone the way that they have, but here we, here was a certainly probably one of their better efforts again against Mahomes, um, you know, and the, and the bills go ahead. They are in the driver's seat with the, uh, the one seed and they've beaten the two, three and four seeds all head to head. So awesome. But let's, let's focus on the game first because it was a heck of a game. It was certainly the game that um, the, not just bills and chiefs fans, like, the NFL calendar had circled this one as like, this is probably one of the biggest games, uh, if not the biggest on the, on the regular schedule. And it, it pretty much delivered. I only missed a quarter of it. So <laughs> that's good. And your photos came out well, I hope they, we had a good time doing family photos. I found the game on the radio, uh, as you guys know, cause I was, I was texting you a bit while we were doing that. Um, and, uh, and, so I, I was able to listen to the first couple of drives and then tuned in uh, in midway through the, the second quarter and, you know, largely drank too much. I, I was catching up with rally <laughs> bourbon uh, too quickly in the second half. And so I had a very stumbly night the rest of the night, but all was well at our household. Scott, how how was your uh, tell us what you thought of the game and how you enjoyed it or didn't. I was uh, I was doing the live viewing of the Bills game, which is, is increasing rarity, obviously with the time difference. But I feel like uh, I actually just gotten off work, um, so I felt like I deserved to unwind a little bit. So, Ten hours. Um, so that was um, it was nice. It was a good it was a good game. I enjoyed it. It was good, solid entertainment. Um, you know, I I think you know it was a great you know again like. Romo and Nance, obviously, they have little things that people don't like about them, but I think they can call it a game, and they hit a lot of the key points, and, and, and you know, made it clear, like, it was tight throughout, you know, it was tied in the first quarter, tied in the second quarter, tied in the third quarter, um, you know, Romo correctly tried to forecast it as, as a game where both sides were kind of dealing each other out after an offseason in which some things had changed, you know, obviously, the, the Chiefs without Tyree Kill, the Bills bringing in Von Miller, um, not having Cole Beasley, obviously, around. But I think 
uh, some, some new faces on the offensive line. Um, I, yeah, obviously, you have to be extremely pleased and confident with, with how things went. Um, to me, the difference, obviously, like, you know, you, you, you said, you know, Frank, I think, was chief among them last year in, in leading the, if they played that playoff game 100 times, the Bills would win 50 and the Chiefs would win 50. Um, I think I, I wasn't quite on the same page, but I, I think very, very much so in a 60-40 kind of sense uh, that it could have gone either way. I think in this case, I would have been more confident that the Bills were going to win that game simply based on the points. Um, and I think just in general, given given Trey White not in the game, the amount of pressure that was put on guys who were getting put back in the lineup after being injured, um, Christian Benford, obviously chief amongst, amongst them, but also Jordan Poyer, um, having to deal with that incredible 15-hour van trip from Buffalo to try and make the game. Um, that was obviously, you know, again, like really, you know, again, he's getting paid probably what, $700,000, $800,000 to show up at that game. So yeah, sure. At that point, you can, you can take the 15-hour van ride, but, but still, you know, having the wherewithal to play well during the game, uh, obviously Milano and Edmonds continue their great, excellent play. And then you know, last but certainly not least, you know, Von Miller leading another great effort from the defensive line. Um, him specifically, um, you know, the thing that I always remember, and you might talk about him later in a few stars, but the thing I always remember from, it was Mario Williams a couple of years ago when he was on the Bills as part of the, the thing. And he didn't like, I want to say it was Rex Ryan's, or no, it was, it was somebody's defense. He didn't like it because he didn't get to. Oh, the, the Jim Schwartz defense. Was that? No, he liked the Jim, the Jim Schwartz, Schwartz defense. He but, liked but, the Jim Schwartz. He didn't like the Rex Ryan one, right? For some reason, because he, he because basically, and it was a really intelligent point. And I've never heard anyone else made it. I, obviously, I don't read like every defensive end's interviews ever. Um, but he was saying the individual matchup for a defensive end going against a tackle is in, is what in some in like you know in like a political science game would, would call it. It's an iterative game. Like in the first move, Mario does bull rush. Offensive lineman does, you know, standard kind of, you know, bull rush defense and offensive lineman wins. The next one, Mario did, you know, does swim move and the guy does, guy was prepared for bull rush. So Mario gets the win. And it's a constant chess game between the defensive lineman and the offensive lineman. And then Mario would say that he would be setting guys up for moves over the course of the game. That when it was a critical situation or a third down where they needed a big play, that was when he sprung the trap. Basically, he had been setting up the swim or the rip or or the the sprint or whatever it was or the bull rush, and that kind of like chess match. Obviously, like that's I mean Von Miller is great for a lot of reasons, but I am assuming that he is doing that as well. He is inside the head of the lineman he's playing. He understands where that guy's going to do, and he's pulling out those moves at the right time in the game to get the pressures, to get the sacks, to get the forced interceptions. Um, I, I forgot about Teron Johnson, obviously a huge, huge play at the end, but Von Miller setting that up. Again, to me, like, it's really like um, just a fascinating, like, next level stuff that you can get from an elite player. Um, and again, like, I'll, I'll go back to something I said in the offseason um, of, like, him being, like, the Reggie White on this, on this team, uh, the guy that might put them over the top, the guy who, you know, you can have – what the Bills have had in the past is a lot of, you know, B and C level linemen. And the theory was simply by throwing enough of them at the other def- at the other offensive line, 
over time they would wear them down just based off of um, you know sheer numbers in the fourth quarter they'd be fresh that's true to a certain extent but we had but i think when it came down to it the elites uh, pass rush pass rusher is worth more than two good pass rushers it is more valuable um, to have one great one we have to now plan your offense around versus four or five good ones and it's just like well we'll take our chances and they'll give one or two but they're not going to change the game and i think obviously yeah i want to i'll stop there. no yeah i want to pick up on that for a second because i he had his biggest game um snap count wise this week too which was mm-hmm. which was good to see because he, they don't use him all the time all the time um and so for him to sort of be available to do this um on a on a bigger uh bigger volume in a critical game at a critical point is super helpful. He has six sacks in six games. I mean, here he is at 33, uh, you know, with, with a sack a game average here playing kind of, you know, if he finishes the season with 17 sacks, that's, you're going to get votes for defensive awards. Right. And that's pretty incredible for a guy who is, you know, I won't call a part time player, but I think you're right. They have to account for him so often. And he he, you know, I think there is something to the fact, too, that that he's better than two regular defenders in that he helps make other players better because that accountability. A lot of the like with Mario is, you know, you have to deal with him. So, you you know, a guy like Groot's going to get his hand in the way or. A truly good linebacker like Matt Milano is going to plug the right lane, and then a very aware Teron Johnson is going to seal the game with an interception at the end. Um, you know, and you can have these cascading effects that show up and are are frankly necessary when you're playing, you know, a truly, you know, good offense like the Chiefs that really have. Um, they don't have without Hill. I think it was noticeable. We had talked about that last week, Scott, in particular. You talked about that without Hill. How are they going to create the the openings for some people? And I think that some of those openings were missing. But like you could still see that, like if they decided they wanted to throw the ball to Travis Kelty 40 times, he was probably going to he, he probably could get 30 catches, <laughs> you know, and and really you could have a two-man offense in a lot of ways they're really good at the handful of things they still do um but you know thankfully they were able to sort of capitalize and i think you know you highlighting von miller excellent point because he's really he's the biggest difference from last year absolutely so paul what did you make of the chiefs game i think to expand on what you have both said the phrase i would use is a von miller in the hand is worth two chris kelsey's in a bush so that is that is what i believe Yes, got to bring up a Chris Kelsey reference on this pod. Agree so much on the the defensive analysis you guys have given to finish up our collective points on Vaughn and his value to the team and and to expand on Scott's point about setting people up to the course of a game, which expands on Mario Williams' point on the same. Uh, there was some analysis at the in reviewing the tape how well Vaughn Miller and Matt Milano were working together, knowing that Milano was the spy and you know Miller was the pass rusher that they had coordinated going into several rushes, including that last one that Vaughn was going to use an inside move. And he was, and Kelsey, or excuse me, geez, now Chris Kelsey's in my head. Uh, <laughs> and Milano had decided. Well, yeah, he was. He made the move. Now he's yeah. he's now he's in your brain sacking you. 
Yep, sacked by Chris Kelsey, something we didn't hear often enough over the course of 11 damn seasons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you look at, at Matt Milano. Uh, he sees Miller make the inside move. What does he do? He takes three steps to the outside, knowing Miller will get there. He does, so Mahomes escapes the pocket a little bit, and who's waiting there for him is Matt Milano, and who's waiting for Patrick Mahomes to throw away the ball in a, in a bit of a haste. Uh, that was Teron Johnson. And one defender we we rarely talk about, uh, thankfully, others do, but we should bring him up more. Is is Daquan Jones and just how well he set he sets at the table on defense as well. We have not had. I mean, this is this is what we all wanted Star Lutalele to be. This is what we envisioned, and I yeah. can say that because I don't notice uh, Daquan out there at, at all. Hardly, he's just taken up multiple bodies, and they can't run the ball effectively. And no team has really been able to run the ball effectively against the Bills so far. And then he helps in the pass rush, too. On the play we've all talked about, the Tron interception, Jones was occupying two guys. And they've also got two guys occupying Miller. And this allowed A.J. Epinesa, he who likes to vanish occasionally, but will make a play now and then, to be one-on-one with the left tackle and collapse the pocket from that side while Vaughn was collapsing it from the inside. So, you know, huge kudos to, to Daquan for what he's brought to the defense. Yes, Vaughn Miller is the man. He's the biggest signing. He should be the one in line for the hardware that Frank talked about, whether it's a defensive player of the year or defensive alignment of the year or whatever award he could get because he has been that good. But Daquan has also helped to change the way they run this defense and make it more effective. So I don't want to, you know, let the, this analysis go by without mentioning him. The one mistake I think that Leslie Frazier and the team made early is they were taking Matt Milano off the field at a few points, I think for three snaps total and put Saran Neal in his place. I don't disagree with covering Kelsey with Saran Neal. Like uh, you guys said, he could he could catch 30 in a game if you just target him every time. Uh, there's no doubt about that. He is that good. But they were wisely then keeping Milano on the field with Neal and taking off a defensive tackle, which I think was probably the right approach. And I think that paid dividends because the Chiefs offense was not nearly as effective then once they started to do that. But just great job by Leslie Frazier. I think it's almost assured we're going to lose him this year uh, until do what Dable is doing, take a perennial doormat and make them a winner uh, overnight. But I'm going to enjoy that while we can. Josh Allen was the offensive player of the week, and we have not even talked about the offense. That I was going to say, I was going to make sure that we talked about the offense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, this is this is what we've come to. It was just one of those performances of, like, I was, even the hurdle after a while, I mean, he's done that so many times now. I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, he's just, he's just another one of those hurdles that Josh does over a, a professional athlete justin reed who's not exactly a slouch in the secondary uh yeah and he didn't he didn't try and duck the whole way down like he he jumped over a pretty tall dude yeah he even and i like to even when i was watching the replays he lifted the ball up a bit to secure it just in case if he does get hit i mean his crotch is going to hurt because that's where he's going to get hit but he's not going to lose the ball because he has the ball up high so it was that was incredible on the hurdle Looked so that pass to Knox. I mean, what do you even say about Josh at this point that we haven't said a billion times already? He makes throws it just watching the Thursday night game a bit last night and watch some of the oh, other wow. games this weekend. But they just can't other quarterbacks can't make these throws. And and it may it changes your entire approach to a game. And it's not like the quarterbacks last night sucked. We have a way past his prime Andy Dalton, but he can still throw a ball okay. Kyler Murray, who I think is very much overrated, but still not bad. And yet I could not imagine having them as my quarterback uh, instead of Josh Allen. Uh, you know, good job overall by the offense. Digs again, big game. Gabe Davis has his usual touchdowns against 
Kansas City. I think I'll just close up on Scott's point. Uh, Scott had said that if these teams played each other 30 times, they're probably going 15 and 15. They are that close. I, I believe I texted you guys or messaged you when we were talking during the game that this is just how these games are going to be with the Chiefs. There's I don't see either of these teams being able to blow out the other unless they get every break in the world uh, to do it because these teams bring their A games against each other and they're evenly matched. And it's just a, a joy and also an enormous stress to watch these games. I'm glad it's in the rear view. I'm glad it was the highest rated week six game in what, 20 years or something according to CBS. Uh, so it was as well watched as they wanted. And uh, as Bill Belichick would say, on to, on to Green Bay. Uh, yeah, let me just hit a couple of notes here that I think have been missed, um, you know, just because there's so much to talk about with these games. Yeah. But I, I don't think we can. I want to mention Devin Singletary, who had like a really nice first half and then like a really, really, really mediocre second half, including a, one or two runs that I specifically remember where he just absolutely made bad decisions. Like you, you could all see it from where we were. We're like, man, you should have just kept running forward instead of dancing. But he did have a nice first half, which did, you know, because I, I remember distinctly feeling like, okay, running game people, there you go. We're, we're we're trailing the Chiefs, and but we're running the ball, so I hope you're all happy. Um, and then Stephon Diggs had a breakout game against the Chiefs because in his matchups against the Chiefs so far, he really was averaging about 50, 60 yards in receptions and. Um, you know, four or five, six catches tops. He goes 10 for 148 and a touchdown. I mean, good for him because he just absolutely ate it up. They made a, they made a point to get him the ball. He got the ball, um, you know, re- reduced roles for guys like McKenzie and Shakir, even though they were on the field. But I was really sort of happy to see their them embrace the um, let the playmakers make the plays kind of stuff. Um, there was some, if I remember right, I'm not even – just thinking about it now, but like there were some some touchy calls on 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 both sides. I'm glad that I felt like nothing really ruined the game. Maybe a Chiefs fan feels differently, but I felt like it was you know at least even. It was bad. crappy both ways. <laughs> yeah, it was evenly bad, and certainly the Chiefs had their chance at the end to kind of actually win the game. It was sort of well, you know, it was that there was one play where I was thinking about how if they had picked up a first down that they didn't the bills had gotten oh right the tripping call if the Mm -hmm. tripping call gets made and that drive stays alive and the bills score on that drive it leaves the chiefs actually with a lot more time at the end to score their points as opposed to just a minute and i i don't really know that there's a good you know well thank god they didn't call it kind of answer but i i i I wanted to point out that like in that moment it felt like god how how are they going to kind of now they've got to overcome this punt that they're going to do. They rarely punt. They got to get rid of the ball. Um, but, you know, they're able to sort of stifle the Chiefs. It, it brings it to a place where they can then go ahead and do the go ahead score as opposed to um, some of the other math that might have been involved. I just sort of remember thinking like that, that trip felt really annoying at first. And then it, it realized like, well, maybe it kind of saved them in the end that it wasn't called. Um, you know, good, good, good game by the Chiefs, but they managed to score you know, I remember uh, Romo and Nance had talked about how the Bills' defensive numbers would probably change quite a bit by the end of the game. But, you know, 338 yards for Patrick Mahomes passing and, you know, about 60-something rushing yards and two interceptions to go with Mahomes' two touchdowns and 20 total points. That's that's a pretty, pretty good game against what many people consider to be the second-best team in the league. Um, other than maybe the Eagles, depending on 
what people make of them. But we have gone on about this game, and there is plenty left to do. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to to three stars because we have to do some other other stuff here. Yes. people mention list including Juju Smith Schuster with his first touchdown catches under 15 yards obviously the, the touchdown you know give it a little bit of credit there in terms of retaining his balance obviously a bit of bad luck in terms of the bills you know kind of running into each other on the play and not not ending uh, not really thinking uh, not, not not completing the play but Smith Smith Schuster you know had a good game I think in general, five for five uh, receptions for targets, was one fifteen. Um, I will say Travis Kelsey also gets an honorable mention. Eight catches for 108 yards uh, on the 10 targets. Uh, like we said, obviously still a tremendously difficult matchup. Um, no one really on the Bills or anyone else who can actually cover him on a consistent basis, really. Um, all you do is you kind of hope to slow him down a bit. Um, but I think that's still, you know, they, they were able to functionally do that. Terms of slowing down, and then I will also. It was a close game, so there's a bit of of uh, this. This may be a um, the the Kansas City fans are not going to be happy with this because they did play a good game. But I'm still going to give Patrick Mahomes an honorable mention with his 25 of 40, uh, 338, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Obviously, the game game losing interception in some ways, Um, and and one of two uh, interceptions. So you know. I think the demotion honorable mention is, uh, as a Bills fan, I'm, of course, cool with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think exactly. you could put it much higher. Yeah. It's it's tough because, obviously, some really standout performances on the Bills side, which is second. Now, the uh, honor, other honorable mentions, I'm also going to throw um, Teron Johnson, who, again, game-sealing interception, can't make three stars. Um, we'll see who else has a good one, too. Shaq uh, Lawson uh, had, uh, had a sack. Uh, and again, another good good performance from him, a guy who didn't know who we were going to get get much out of him at the beginning of the season. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, obviously Singletary all had some some good contributions throughout the game as well. We'll get into the three stars now. Their third star goes to Stefan Diggs, 10 catches for 148 yards touchdown. Um, again, just uh, constantly inside, outside, deep, middle, uh, just pretty much doing everywhere, and, and a good job by Ken Dorsey, uh, as, as Wilmer put it out during the broadcast, scheming him open, moving him more to the slot to try and get some of those outside pressures off him. Some of that obviously helped by the Kansas City secondary being heavily injured, but hey, Bill's secondary is pretty interesting. So, um, so Steph gets third star, second star goes to Josh Allen, 27-40, 329, three touchdowns. Um, did have the the fumble lost yep. um, as well uh, on the sack, um, but obviously some tremendous performance had uh, 12 carries for 32 yards. Um, you know, again, uh, Josh Allen do- doing Josh Allen things most of the game. Um, but again, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for me, the difference was again, Von Miller with the, the four tackles, uh, two sacks and two tackles for loss, um, as well as, you know, the pressure on the game ceiling interception. Um, just, just uh, again, providing multiple ways for people to to improve the defense, but him also taking a lead role and personally applying the pressure that gets the uh, gets the game over. So first star. 
fitting. I, I'm happy with that standings, even though, you know, I feel like Josh Allen is the default first star. I think there was mm-hmm. definitely room for, for Von Miller to be the first star. And it's fitting because, you know, his time in Buffalo should be decorated with many first stars. He's he's an excellent player. Um, thank you, as always, Scott. I am going to go ahead and go around the name. Uh, Paul, you've you've put the note that Dan Snyder might be on the way out. And I I know that this is a story. Right. I don't know very much about the story other than people want him to go. And then he said, you can't get rid of me. I've got dirt on all of you because I've hired private investigators. And then someone else said, yeah, we don't care. We're probably going to vote you out anyway. So is there more to that story than I know? Or is the, or have I got it? You've gotten the, the gist of it. The big thing is who said, you know, it doesn't matter. You're on your way out. And then the response that Washington gave as well. The one who said it is Jim Mercer, of course, Jim the Colts Mercer, owner, right. who doesn't exactly have the most. Uh, he's not a sterling uh, no, individual. No, he does not have that great history either. But he's the one who felt willing to come forward and say this. And that has led to some speculation that. Many other owners are feeling that way if, you know, someone who has more of a checkered history is willing to say all that he did. And there is a sense that this means that Snyder will, in fact, be forced out, which is not something that we see often. It's huge news when uh, it'd be like, uh, you know, Jesse Pagula, you know, Jesse Pagula could murder someone with a tennis racket and Kim and Terry aren't going to be pushed out. They'll just be like, hey, get your daughter under control. Um, Whereas... (laughs) Great. Then, yeah, it takes a lot to force an owner out. So this could be a big deal. I think it will. Dan Snyder did send a note to all the owners and say this is all uh, this accusation of me hiring private investigators is bullshit. I respect you all, et cetera, et cetera. So, <laughs> yeah, that. that's where uh, that's where we're at now. But I really am under the impression that this is going to be it for uh, Dan Snyder. Maybe I won't have to hate the Washington football team anymore. Uh, the Washington commanders, uh, yeah. just like once Peter Angelos finally is off, uh, you know, uh, dead, uh, I can actually not hate the Orioles anymore. So that'd be nice. Yeah. I, would, I would look forward to, to those days. Right. Also, Thank I will you. note in the agenda, uh, I forgot when I copy pasted this in from what I sent to you yesterday, I did not include the big news, which was of course the trade, uh, that happened. Yes. I can cover that because yes. I have a tweet of that up. Um, Okay, well, let's leave that there since there's not much to report yet. So yeah. that's interesting, fun speculation, and we'll we'll do that. I wanted to talk about the 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 uh, Jets won again. They yeah. are in second place in the East with a four and two record. The Dolphins lost, falling to three and three, um, and the Patriots also three and three. Paul had pointed out the only division in all of football where none of the teams have a losing record: the AFC East. So. Uh, as our friend Lars from Bills and Beers used to say, don't tell me about strength of schedule because by the end of the year, it looks all different every time. Um, to reiterate, the Bills are first overall in the division, dis- the conference, despite losing to the Dolphins. Um, their only loss, who are now in about ninth place overall. They're not even in the playoff hunt. Um, and so the Bills have a two-game lead over them with one more game to play against the Dolphins. So in really good shape, given that two weeks ago they were they were tied with the Dolphins and really in second place. Uh, mm-hmm. More to the point, I had mentioned at the beginning, the Bills have beat the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Ravens, all three division leaders head-to-head. Uh, right now, it would be the Chargers and the Jets. Uh, and the Colts, those would round out your bottom three wild cards. Uh, Chargers, Jets, Colts. I feel um, like the Colts have been terrible most of the year. They yeah, they're there, hanging out in that number seven spot, ready to go to Kansas City for the opening round of the season. They're so today. weird though because they lose 
they they beat Jacksonville 34-27 and then didn't they play like the 6 to 3 game against the Commanders wasn't that them yeah. what or no, or they, the twelve nine Broncos game. That yeah, was the other they won Thursday that. They beat game. they beat the Chiefs too. But then right. they had they lose their first two games to like Houston and Jacksonville this year. Um, one of which was at home. And I'm thinking like, what what is this team even? You know, yeah, I, they're really they're all over the place. They're very hard to get a read on. Um, good is not a word I think I would use, but they are currently in the playoffs. Uh, but that of course doesn't count. Um, and then let me read this. And then, Scott, we'll get your thoughts on some of this, too. Christian McCaffrey uh, is going to be a San Francisco 49er. We had talked briefly about this or Odell Beckham Jr. last week. Um, and at this price, I am thoroughly happy that he is going to be a 49er because the Panthers will get the second, third and fourth round picks of the 49ers and then a fifth rounder in 2024 from the 49ers for Christian McCaffrey, which I always viewed him as a rental, given that his $12 million salary is voidable after this. The only thing that makes sense is that the the, the 49ers plan to keep him. And um, I will briefly say before I turn over to Scott, to me, this is this is adding rims on a on a 35 year old car with bad suspension. I'm sure he's a nice player. They they don't really have a quarterback and I don't really know that he can make the difference for them. But Scott, thoughts on the division, thoughts on Christian McCaffrey, thoughts on Dan Snyder? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd say, like I've been saying about the Jets, the B team, you need to call them scrappy until they beat somebody who's, who's really, I guess, confirmed to be good. I mean, I guess it's, you know, obviously the the, the Packers are, are increasingly questions about how good the Packers are. Um, but but certainly not someone to be taken down lightly. Um, and then I will say for San Francisco, I don't know how much of this is a is also a bit of a fan thing in the sense of the um, McCaffrey coming from Stanford and probably having a lot of kind of California area fans. So they're going to be able to sell a lot of jerseys while he's on the team. I could see them trying to renegotiate with him on that on that idea that if he stays out there longer he'll get he'll get more you know kind of uh you know more he'll have a better long-term career you know has a lot more post opportunities whether it's with you know, local sports broadcasters or, or that kind of stuff um if he the restaurants whatever at you know, whatever post post career christian crafting wants to do um so I could see the, the 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 Niners wanting to 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 bring him out, get that get that kind of negotiation underway, and that yeah, it wouldn't make sense for the Bills to do that. I think ultimately, um, it does. Yeah, at some point, if the Bills are bringing him in with that that kind of haul, um, it, it does get a little risky. You're, you're you know, there's a risk not doing something to to put you over the top as well, um, but I don't know that. As much as I've said, like, this is the year and we have to go for it and we have to win um, and you have to kind of take big swings sometime to do that. On some level, uh, this one just might be a little too much. Yeah. Uh, but it's close for me. Honestly, if it was a second and a fourth or even a second and a third and then a fifth, like, it's a little closer. Like, mm. it's, it's not it's not it's not too far away. I mean, like, I feel- he's a good player. He has a lot yeah. of value added. We have a terrible, not a terrible running game. We have a mediocre. And and adding him as another weapon, it, it provides some redundancy in case something's not working. 
um, or increase okay. his injuries. So, but it, I think the price is too high, but maybe not as much as. as, as one of the things, because one of the, the next topics I want to talk about is um, I might skip over to Tremaine Edmonds um, because it, it sort of fits in here. Keeping those draft picks is vital for a guy like Bean, who is already at two hundred and twenty six million dollars in salary next year with just 38 players under contract. So, you know, adding a $12 million, I mean, running back is, is obviously extravagant, but more importantly, you know, if you're saying I need to replace Devin Singletary and I'm going to do that with a third round pick by trading for McCaffrey, that makes sense. If you're, if you're dumping two and three, well, now you're starting to to mortgage these these really cheap players that are going to come in and hopefully contribute. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I'd say Brandon Bean has hit a lot more often than he's missed. You know, he's found guys who can play and 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 maybe they're not all, you know, immediately blossoming. But I think we're seeing Ed Oliver play really well. I think we're seeing guys like, you, you know, Groot play really well. Um, you know, guys like Basham and Epineza maybe don't pan out as, as at the same level, but you know, they, they contribute. We, it's not that we don't know who they are. It's not that they're failures. It's that, you know, there's no replacing adding Von Miller to the defensive line either. Um, and one of those guys is Tremaine Edmonds, who's going to be due for a contract this, this upcoming off season. And to me, he's becoming, uh, more and more irreplaceable, uh, especially if if um, we're talking about continuity of defense. You know, th- there's a great highlight of him, you know, calling an audible um, by knowing exactly who to key in on, looking at Travis Kelsey move, knowing that things are changing and able to change the defense and really squash a play uh, against Kansas City. I feel like him and Milano have a chemistry. And if Milano's sticking around, I really want Tremaine Edmonds to stick around. I think that the problem, of course, is money he stands to make a good amount of money but even though he's not been um i think there was just so much pressure with the idea that like he didn't start off as fast as everyone wanted him to but i i look at him now and i watch his play and it's pretty clear that it's him that's running things back there it seems like at least in the in the front seven he seems to be running the show um and milano is there with him but it's it's Edmonds that's sort of in charge of what's happening. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm certainly not a, an expert. But to me, if you're going to lose Leslie Frazier, um, then maybe maybe you want Edmonds all all the more because it's going to be a new defense and you're going to need as many veteran type people. I would assume whoever they get for defense is going to run that type of defense that Leslie Frazier runs, just like when they changed offensive coordinators, they went, you know, with Ken Dorsey, who's already in the system and knows kind of what they're trying to run. Why, you know, you're not going to go get Jim Schwartz or something and, and, and completely change what you do. Um, but to me, I, I know there's some hesitation on him, but I, I, the, the more I watch him, the more I feel like, man, I think he's more I, like, if I have to choose between him and Jordan Poyer, probably going to try and assign, you know, Edmonds at this point, as opposed to Poyer um, or, you know, really any, there's not really any other big guys coming up next year. The other guys, Devin Singletary and Vial Condios. You're, you're a nice guy, a good running back, and I can replace you. Sorry. And I can replace you cheaply. Um, but I, I'm interested in Paul and Scott's perspective on Edmonds at this point, And, um, and we better, um, and if, if this is now the time to do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, I would, I would largely, I, I think I've come around and I agree. I don't think I was ever fully out on Edmonds, but I was definitely questioning whether he was a good long-term fit. I 100% agree. If you have to sign someone between him and Poyer, I'm definitely taking the guy who is what, eight years, uh, you know, seven years younger uh, and who's, you know, a key part of the, the defense who is making the calls out there. That is nothing against Poyer. I think Poyer is good for probably another season or two, but he's near the end of a lot of the line. Whereas Edmund seems to be developing as a player. In addition to all the things he's done well that Frank pointed out, I'm observing less of the things he's done poorly before. Uh, he's been a more sure tackler. He's done better about being in the right zone uh, when, when you know, defending pass plays. They've been using him in a blitz a little more. He's still not a finished product, I don't think, but he is a 24-year-old with five years of experience and two Pro Bowls under his his belt, and I think that's important to keep someone like that. And Frank had brought up the general success of the draft picks. They'd mentioned on a broadcast a few weeks ago that there are more the Bills have more starters that are their own draft picks than any other team. And to think what it was like when they came aboard in 2017, and it was just a mess, and it took years to build this, now they finally built it. I think the the justifiable question becomes, you know, what can you afford? You are really up against the cap next year. I've thought, and this is a potential discussion for the offseason, say uh, the Bills accomplished their end-of-season goal, Trey White plays spectacularly, if you are happy enough with the play of two-thirds of Elam Benford and Dane Jackson, do you try to move Trey White's big salary? You would probably get a first-round draft pick for that because number one corners don't grow on trees. But let's be real. There are six games into the season. Uh, this was the toughest passing offense they'll have to play all year, and mm-hmm. they survived just fine without Trey White. He might be a, he might be ripe for a restructure, too. He might be right. the kind of thing where you look at him and say, hey, we got to fit all these guys in. And do you want to get some bonus money and move things back? Because that seems to be something that players do. Yeah. Uh, So I think that, you know, I would agree that they should sign, uh, re-sign Edmonds if possible. They should, they they will need to value their draft picks. That's why they didn't go for McCaffrey, which I think was good. Literally 11 minutes ago, John Warrow of the Associated Press reported that the Bills apparently offered uh, Carolina, a second round pick for McCaffrey, but we're not willing to budge from that. So that gives you an idea of what the bills were willing to give up. And I think that was the right move. Yeah, I've been fine giving up a second rounder for him, but not everything that San Fran gave up. That's um, commensurate with what they wanted him for, right? Yep. Like we want him for this year. We have no intention of paying him after that. Right. So if he were, if he were 2019 Christian McCaffrey, then yes, a guy who's going to rush for nearly 1400 yards and average about five yards carry plus get a thousand plus receiving yards with over a hundred catches and trans can be a transformative guy on offense. Great. Now he's still a guy who's even for a 16 yard season, he's still on pace for a thousand yards rushing. Uh, he's still on pace for like 750 yards receiving still a good player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you're really betting on a guy who's played 32 games over the last well, or not, excuse me, 16 games over the past two and a half seasons uh, being fully healthy. And I don't know if that's the right decision. I think because of the, the cap situation of trying to re-sign guys like Edmonds um, and with Josh's salary exploding, you need your draft picks more than ever. So giving up a second, I would have been fine with, but certainly not the haul because the Bills need to, they're going to start losing people. We hope it's not a Gabe Davis. We hope it's not an, an Ed Oliver uh, who's under the franchise tag next year, but it's not been extended. 
Um, but they're going to need these draft picks to replace some of these these players as they age out. So that's a guy that could free up money too, right? Because if he's under the franchise tag and you sign him, he he could agree to a cheaper first year than yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. We are at minute forty, uh, and we have a lot to get through. So I'm just going to mention that Spencer Brown left the Kansas City game in a boot. We'll see how he feels when he gets back. Uh, and Trey White. Uh, you have back for Green Bay question mark. Let's yeah. save that. Let's save that for the Green Bay preview. We can talk about that while yep. we're talking about Green Bay. But I think he'll be on the roster because he needs to be on the roster by then, or he's he's off for the year. So we'll have to see. Um, let's get to listener questions. Uh, I'm gonna go to uh, this guy Joe Serenka. I don't know. Sounds like a jerk to me. <laughs> um, Scott, he wants to know, does playing a great quarterback in Green Bay give you a God complex? Why at the end of the careers when the city loves them, did both Favre and Rogers desperately want to get out of Green Bay? So I'm going to give that one to Scott. Um, I think, you know, it's not too far off. I mean, I think, I think the microscope that comes with the Packers and Wisconsin is, is pretty significant. Um, and even, you know, obviously, like, every team has, has fans that, that love them, love the team, love the, the, their, their piece of it. Uh, you know, I think it is a bit different in, in Bay sometimes because it is really the only – I mean, obviously, you have the Bucks and Milwaukee, but, but other than that, there's not really no football. You know, there's no other kind of pro sports. And you have the Badgers, obviously, um, borderline a uh, house on fire at this point. Um, so – yeah, I think it's a bit of if you are in Green Bay walking around and you're Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you do kind of start to feel like you're not. You you are, uh, and everyone's so nice. They're not they're not going to get down on you after a bad game if they know you're a good quarterback, like the way that, that other teams might. So so I could see that being a thing that gives gives them a feeling of um, kind of feeling like a big above it. I, I don't know if. God complex is all the way there, but it is, it does, um, you know, you could also say that these sometimes pro athletes aren't always the smartest guys. I mean, Rogers obviously went to Cal, but you know, on a sports scholarship and Favre was from Southern. So I'd say there's a fair bit of, you know, you give a lot of stupid people, a lot of uh, money and talent, maybe not always the best um, people around you. Sometimes uh, bad things could be happening or set, or draw the pocket, whatever, whatever you want to choose, whatever your, your sin is. That you want. There's an entire King of the Hill episode based on this, too, randomly, which I think at the same time I brought up King of the Hill in three weeks, but I'll, well, that's all I have to add to that. Yeah. Uh, Greg says, this is not a Bill's question, but one that our man in London might be well positioned to answer. So I guess, Scott, again, uh, the NFL's independent yeah. neurologists for the game in the UK, are they U.S. doctors flown over or are they U.K. doctors? If they're UK doctors, are they still applying the same criteria when evaluating a player for head trauma? Um, and then he says, continued. Yes. Imagine Tua's injury if it took place in London. How would things be different in terms of diagnosis and treatment? Would there be any thanks? I mean, first of all, you know, we would be talking about uh, meters instead of feet, of course, and Celsius instead of Fahrenheit. But beyond that, my science is, you know, rusty. Um, I did find an article from 2009 complaining that the NFL does not have independent neurologists on the sidelines during games. 
or that was from 2011. Sorry. So uh, progress in the last we've 11 made, years. We've anyway, made yeah. progress. I cannot. I'm trying. And I'm trying to Google the answer to this. Um, let's see. NFLPA reportedly fires independent Nora. So the player association fired the independent neurologist. So my guess is that it would be at the behest of the NFLPA to hire and fire these guys. Does anybody know the answer to this? So I think the answer is, is do you guys remember um, Gremlins 2? Of course, the new batch. I watch it every three years in my rotation. Sure. All right. Okay. I'll be watching so, it this Christmas. As you recall, there were a lot of debates about the gremlins and like what happens, like, you know, the, the rule is you can't get a, a gremlin wet um, or you can't feed it after midnight, right? But right. What if they're on a plane that's what? crossing a time zone when things happen? Mm -hmm. The whole theoretical discussion occurred in gremlins too on, on these things. On these kind of things. And they weren't really resolved in the movie. Luckily, the NFL has figured that out. So basically what happens is, is the um, evaluation of the concussion symptoms happens on a five-hour delay. So the rest of the game is continued, and then that allows them to conduct the concussion assessment on U.S. time with U.S. physicians, and then that is then reported back to the NFL yep. into the game. And then at that point, um, if the players, you know, determined ruled out, then they can no longer do any game-related activities. Now, whether the game's over or not at that point, that's strictly irrelevant. But right. in this case, that 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 is that is the rule. Um, so it is it is uh, they call it the Gremlins clause. I don't know. <laughs> if I had to guess, I would think that the NFLPA, who hires the you know the, the the league and the players association, hire the people, not the teams. I would think they probably fly people over who are familiar with the players in the games and the types of things. My guess is that is what people would all feel most comfortable with. Plus. Um, you know, they don't take health insurance the same way in the UK. So, it, you know, to have to get on, um, yeah. national health. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine having to do it, national trying, health? Trying yeah, no, you're going to wait. You're, yeah, you're going to definitely, it's going to be longer than a five hour delay for you to get your question. <laughs> we'd we'd just, really like this guy checked out, out to right see if now. we could get him back in the game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, you just sit there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're going to get in this line and we're going to, we're going to get you, we're going to get you in the queue. Don't worry about that. Um, and then, I'll yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, game. John, feeling any threat from anyone in the AFC East, how about remaining schedule? Any game in particular give you paras, all barring the injury, of course. So, uh, of course, we get our, our, our barring injury. But on the schedule, is anybody thinking about any of these games anymore? Mm, I mean, I think when you talk about the threat in the AFC East, let, let, let me say this. I think... All three of these remaining AFC East teams, and we've seen the South Miami this year, are capable on the right day, under the right circumstances, of beating the Bills. The Jets are much improved. The Pats have survived without their 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 top quarterback. And, you know, the Dolphins have already beaten the Bills once. But do I think any of them are a threat to take the division from the Bills? Absolutely not. I think they're all at least a year away from having that type of ability to do so. Uh, but could they beat the Bills? Certainly. And then the ones on the schedule that give me some concern... I'm not really as concerned with Minnesota as I should be, but I have to recognize them because they are five and one yeah. and they could create problems. Green Bay, we're going to talk about later uh, in the preview. And then the only other one that really, I'm not, I used to worry about the Lions, but they've looked increasingly bad in recent weeks. 
so I will just say the the Bengals uh, in Week 17. That game, that AFC North is really up in the air right now. The Bengals have struggled, but they yeah. have gotten in the habit of coming back late in games. Uh, if they can start pulling that together, that could be a challenge. But I think this will be. I don't see more than like four losses here, Max. I don't. I don't really think about any of the other teams in the AFC East, even though Miami won, because I really, I am more convinced than ever that that was more, even more than a circumstance of, of any given Sunday. It was any given Sunday minus 10 starters and a hundred degree heat. So yeah, if the bills play the jets or the Patriots in another wind hurricane game, then they could lose. If they play with anything resembling the current Buffalo Bills on anything with it, you know, plus or minus 20 degrees of wind uh, and regular temperatures, I don't really think that any of these, you know, the the Jets have a great pass rush. They look like they have a nice pass rush. I don't know else what they do. The the Patriots have some good defense and 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 have certainly gotten surprising quarterback play out of out of out of uh, Zeppe. Um, but yeah, you know, and the the Dolphins, the moment their Super Bowl was over against the Bills, have crumbled. They they don't do anything without Tua, and I wasn't sure that they were doing all that much with him. So I'm not worried about anybody in the division. And as for giving pause, I, I think that the thing I I would say the Vikings, except they're an NFC team. So if you lose that game, okay, that's not you. You want to win it, you can win it. They can they can win all these games. But I'm not really given pause by them if they lose the Vikings. It doesn't really damage the Bills all too much, really, in the grand scheme of things. And then I think you're right. The Bengals are kind of the only team left that uh, in the AFC that could be a division leader that they would have to worry about. They, look, they, they go, they have a they have three NFC games coming up. Packers, Vikings, Lions. They have five of the uh, AFC East games. That's eight of the games out of the, uh, that are left. There's not really anybody else that they have to worry about. It's Bengals and Browns. Those are the only two teams I think that don't fit that criteria. I don't believe in the Browns at all. I kind of <laughs> think the Bengals could be good. So there you go. Um, no, I'm sorry. They have all. They have four NFC games left because yeah, they got the Bears in there too. The Bears because the Rams were the extra one, right? Packers. So they have they have four non-conference games. So the Bills are in good shape with regards to, um, you know, they've beaten the big teams in the conference, and now it's just a matter of holding serve again in the division. And they've got four of their nine road games out of the way too. Yeah, Only two so, home games, two of their eight home games have been played. Yeah, and they're getting healthier. And so again, if we're going to bar injury, which I think is fair. Um, no, nothing concerns me about this schedule. If the Bills play anything like the Bills, I expect them to win many games. Uh, Scott, yeah. are there any moves you'd like to see the to see Buffalo make before the trade line that co- before the trade deadline that comes from Maddie? Um, let's see. Don't say McCaffrey. Yeah, don't say. McCaffrey. <laughs> um, yes, I think we should bring in all of the best players and get them to trade. Um, Very good. I think. I think and give up nothing. Um, you know, I guess you're a little worried about Spencer Brown and Plessenberry a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's a long-term thing. You might be in the market for a little more depth at tackle or someone who could come in and, and fill in for Plessenberry if he continues to not not look great, which he didn't look great at times on, on today. Other than that, I think we're obviously the depth in the secondary has been pleasant. 
a pleasant surprise and we managed to do well there. After that, sure, struggling to think of anything specifically. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like another running back. But again, we've been saying we just need to give James, um, James Cook more run <laughs> and let him get some more carries in these games. So I think that's, that's as big of an impact as anything. I mean, I understand he's got the fumbling issue, but it, in some of these games, you got to let him kind of get it in the rhythm of that um, and, and see what you get with him rather than just kind of keep his old steady singletary. Boy, I think Scott set up the perfect segue there for you, Frank. Um, I was going to say, because Micah says, do you think we'll see any more James Cook after the bye? I think he could add another layer to an already stellar offense. I certainly think that's why they brought him in. I would think that maybe a game like the Jets that does have a good pass rush, uh, and it's, you know, I mean, look, they're four and two. I still don't believe they're the... I think they're fine. I do, I I mean yes, they're not they're, they're not the usual Jets, but yeah, but they're good not good defense, a good yeah, run yeah. game, a good right. coach. That's, but that's I don't expect them to the it's not a Super right. Bowl. Right. right. I don't expect them to really compete. So, you know, that's great and and when come come play the big boys and let's see how you do. And um WCW that, where the big boys play. That's Sorry. right. Um this, but you know, that might be a great game for James Cook to 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 get out there and run a little and see how it feels and all that. Um, and know. it follows the pattern. This organization set up for forever. I mean, Ed Oliver was backing up Jordan Phillips for more than half his rookie season. Matt Milano was backing up Ramon Humber for There's half no the rush. Season. Right. Yeah. yeah so these guys in, I think James cook is going to be, I think James cook eventually replaces the Zach Moss role because I think that, or, or sorry, I think the bills are higher on, cook than they are on moss ultimately Mm -hmm. i think that the only reason that moss might be here next year is because he's under contract and devin singletary isn't and i think that that's their hope so it's i think even this year micah if it if it's not more this year i would expect him to be much more featured next year with either zach mars or another rookie running back because it's just there's no need there's no pressure yet right they they don't need the running game. Everybody thinks they need the running game, and they have yet to need it. They have yet to need a hundred yard running back. So you know, and I don't even think that's how he'd be used. And I'm I'm not like I sound mad like I'm yelling at Micah. I'm not. It's just like I'm thinking about the the Bills, and it's like, yeah, James Cook is gonna show up when he's ready to show up, and there's no pressure uh, if he does or doesn't in some ways, other than you spent draft capital on him and you expect him to work out any. Uh, all right. Yeah. I think okay. that hits it. That hits 50, it on the head. Okay. 54 minutes this day in bills headlines. How many mm. did you prepare this week's Paul? We have 11, but one is one is a very quick one. So okay. I'm going to ask you to not indulge our nonsense for very long with each of these answers. All right. We're going to try and keep this to a six minute segment. Yeah. I encourage you guys. <laughs> I encourage you guys to adopt a new strategy here and guess correctly. So that's what we're going to go for. All right. October 21st, 2021. Bill's blank to miss time after having surgery on his broken hand per report. Blank suffered the injury prior to throwing a two-point conversion to Josh Allen with 31 seconds remaining in the third quarter, giving the Bills a seven-point lead. Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox. Keeping it rolling. 2019. Bill's blank. Surprised Dolphins didn't tackle him on onside kick return. 
I literally caught the ball and I was like, yo, there's nobody here. In the end Jordan zone, was just Poyer. like, ah, no, the other guy. Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde. Uh, there we and go. that is a direct quote when he says, in the end zone, was just like, ah, you can look it up. <laughs> All right. 2018 blank gets first start with Buffalo. And I think it's because everybody understands the urgency of what's happening. Everybody being the players, everybody needs to play to their abilities and play good football. And when everybody can do that, it makes it the quarterback's job a little bit easier. Not that I want to say it's ever easy, but it definitely takes a little bit off of me when everybody's playing up to their potential. Joshua F. Allen. No, no, 2018. So, uh, oh, 2018. Josh, yeah, so Josh has already had his first start early in the 2018 season okay. at this point. Josh so this is, is now injured. Injured with the shoulder. So is this still Trent? Or are we on to Matt Barkley? Uh, Matt Barkley had not quite, did he come to the team at this point? He was, I think, two weeks away. Okay. So this was a guy that was not Peterman, because uh, Peterman had already started the year before and earlier yeah, this I season. I said Trent, and you knew I meant Nathan I Peterman. knew you meant Nathan Peterman, not Trent Edwards. <laughs> I knew you weren't a decade <laughs> off. Uh, so there was one other guy, veteran guy, part of one of the worst games in Bill's history as a Cleveland Brown about a decade before this. Kelly Derek Holcomb. Anderson. Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson, Scott that's it. it. Yep, good job. All right. 2017, Bills wide receiver blank questionable versus Bucks with thumb injury. Blank participated fully in practice on Friday after being limited the previous two days. Blank is making his way back from the injury. The receiver underwent thumb surgery after being injured in Buffalo's week four win over the Atlanta Falcons. I will give you a hint now to limit the guesses. This is the player they got from Philadelphia for Ronald Darby before. The oh, um, um, Jordan Matthews. Jordan, Jordan Matthews. Good job. This one's a little bit tougher, but you know the name, so let's see if we can get there. 2016, Buffalo Bills blank tries to rejuvenate career. We're go, talking about wide receivers again here. Uh, we're not going to game plan where it's just, hey, we're going to get blank the football, Rex Ryan said. He's not at that level. He's a good football player. He's got a chance. As somebody said, he reminds me of Chris Card with the Eagles. Yeah, right. But anyway, we'll see. I think he's getting a better handle of what we do offensively. Uh, Robert Robert Woods? Nope, this was around the Robert Woods was on the team at this point. Uh, so you're in that era. This guy only played 12 games with the Bills, and they were all in the 2016 season, but he started five of them. He caught four TD passes, was a good red zone target for Tyrod. He was 6'4, okay. 203. Not Sammy, not Robert. Calvin nope. Benjamin? No, not Calvin. <laughs> yeah, good. He came, uh, he came a year later, as we know. <laughs> this was a I second don't think he round. Had 12 touchdowns. We'll, we'll give, well, yeah, yeah. I don't think he had four touchdowns in two seasons with the Bills almost. Uh, this might help Scott. Second round pick out of Tennessee in 2013 by the Titans. So he essentially went from the Volunteers to the Titans. Mm. All right. I don't think we're going to get there. Um, I'll give you the first name. Let's see if the second one flows off your tongue. Justin. Yeah, this one's dead in the water. Justin Hunter, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Hunter. Okay. Forgot all about Justin Hunter. Yeah. All right. 2014, former NBA star, NBA all-star slash survivor contestant among 42 arrested after Bill's game. Blank, a former NBA all-star, was among the 42 drivers arrested by state police and Orchard Park police on drunken driving and other charges after the Bill's game on Sunday, state police said. Blank, a former Riverside High star now living in Mears, Michigan, was stopped for failing to use the designated lanes as he drove onto Route 400 after the game. So NBA Ryan player. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, famous Ryan Fitzpatrick of the NBA. Guy who played 18 NBA seasons, uh, Buffalo native, played for the Portland Trail Blazers for eight years, 
won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award. He was an NBA All Star. I was going to say Carl Malone because I know his kid played for the Bills. Right, kid played for the Bills. One of, one of his kids. Right, uh, there's many. One of his uh, many. Uh, at 6'10", he was the tallest player to make more than 1,000 three-pointers until he was surpassed by Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, he survived Wallace? success in 2013. What's that? Rasheed Wallace? No, not Rasheed Wallace. I will say during his post-basketball life, he became an entrepreneur. This should help you guys in the cannabis industry, selling assorted cannabis products, un- products under his Uncle Cliffy brand name. Fortunately, he died of lymphoma in August of 2020, this player. Uh, Uncle Cliffy is the brand name. Yeah, Clifford. Yeah. Clifford B. Basketball. <laughs> All right. No one remembers good Clifford Robinson. Cliff Robinson, Buffalo native. Uh, Cliff Robinson. Yeah, sorry. All right. 2008, season-ending knee surgery for Bill's linebacker, Blank. Bills reserve linebacker Blank is scheduled to have a season-ending knee surgery next week to repair a torn ligament in his right knee, according to the player's agent. Um, sadly, this player never came back after his injury. This was an undrafted player by the Bills out of Saginaw State, Saginaw Valley State in 2006, playing 34 games, uh, including all 16 in 2007, where he had 14 starts, 113 tackles, two sacks, and an interception. <clears throat> I think this could get you there. Uh, per his Wikipedia, uh, which, by the way, if you look at his Wikipedia page, he clearly wrote it. It is the least professional Wikipedia page I've ever seen. Uh, per Wikipedia during college, he also delivered big hits that drew fans to create cat- a catchphrase for his incredibly astonishing, punishing blows delivered to opposing players. Again, this is directly from Wikipedia, these these statements. It's not delivery. It's blank. DiGiorno's. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Duh. D'Agostino. <laughs> it was all right. Don't think we're gonna get there on this one either, because it, it, it's uh, it's essentially the same. It's DiGiorgio, John DiGiorgio. John DiGiorgio. That's right. I remember him. Yep. I feel like I know that name, but I just don't really. Know. Yeah, I can't. It's all right. It's a forgivable error, uh, forgivable uh, knowledge gap, I should say. It's not yeah. an error. All right, a couple more to go. A few more to go. Two thousand six. Blank uh, tackles lack of sacks. He says, I think I need to try to contribute a whole lot more to help the team be successful. I'm just going to continue working hard, being patient, and hopefully the plays will come to me. Uh, this was a defensive tackle drafted by the Colts in the second round of 02 out of Washington Huskies. Uh, then signed a five-year $18 million contract to the Bills that had a $5.5 million signing bonus. Uh, only played with the team two years, started 32 games, then he was out of the league and only had three and a half sacks. So not Chris Kelsey. Okay. Not Chris Kelsey. Guy now owns a he's owned a comfort suites in Glendale, Arizona since his playing career ended. So he's had steady work anyway. Defensive tackle. Yep. From where? Where where did we get him? Washington Huskies. And they've signed him from the Colts. He played for the Colts for four years. Cargo. That went the other way. Yep. This is way, way older than him. Two thousand six. Yeah, this was around McCargo time, but this was a guy who was not a draft pick of the Bills. Um he would have been uh, I'm trying to think of a good Larry Triplett. Oh, yes. I'm applauding for for Scott for getting he's Larry. Not a Tri- twin. He's Larry Triplett. Yeah, I was trying to think of a hint like that, but Scott doesn't need any hints today. Nice. All right. Done. 2004. Bills blank puts focus back on job after outburst. Uh, the Bills one and four played Baltimore three and two on Sunday. Frank went to this game, I believe. Uh to yes. take on a Ravens team that Blank helped to the 2000 Super Bowl title after spending the 02 season with Oakland. 
Blank tried to resign with the Ravens, was insulted by a lowball offer before he joined the Bills. I don't like them. I never like them, said Blank, a two-time Pro Bowler. They're my enemies right now. I won a championship with those guys, but that doesn't mean a thing. When we put it on on Sunday, I'm coming to prove something. This was a defensive tackle who'd actually make the Pro Bowl with the Bills in this very season, 2004. One of uh, three of his seasons with the Bills. Spent 14 years in the NFL and um, had one of the uh, most legendary pick sixes, I would say, in team history in 2003. Sam Adams. Sam oh. Adams. Yeah, here it is. All right, two to go, both from the 1980s. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> buckle up, Scott. <laughs> yep, buckle up, guys. Uh, blank no flop on Monday night football. It's like hitting a Grand Slam in your first Major League at bat. Actually, it's more like hitting a Grand Slam homer in your first Major League at bat on a checked swing. A pass intended for running back Rob Riddick was deflected into the arms of blank, and the first-year receiver from McNeese State took it 66 yards for a touchdown in the Bills' 37-14 over the Jets on Monday night football at Giant Stadium. What year since was this again? 1988, the okay. first AFC Division Championship year. Said since then, blank, his given name is Fulton, he spent a lot of time receiving congratulations from well-wishers back home in Cheeks, Texas, and Louisiana, where McNeese is located. Damn, that's not... Um, Dom Baby was after this, and Andre Reed was before this. Right. This and guy he... ended up taking Chris Burkett's starting job, and Burkett got cut, and then Tremaine Johnson's starting job he took as well, and then he eventually lost his starting job in 1989 to a gentleman named James Lofton. Right. And there's a hint in the headline. Blank... No flop on Monday Night Football. Oh, f flip, right? It would be. Yeah, yeah. Was it flip? No, Flip Wilson was the Rams. Right. So, flip Wilson uh, was the Rams. And um, also a comedian, I think. I don't I don't remember this guy. Sorry. All right. The last flip name. Just, just just run through the usual common last names. Flip. Flip Williams. Flip That's Johnson. Flip Johnson. There Anderson. we go. All right. It only took two guesses. Flip Smith would have been third. Yep. All right. Final headline, I'll whip through this. You guys have zero chance of getting it, but it's a good story that we all like okay. to talk about. Giant, 1987, Giants fall to 0-5 after Bill's sloppy decides sloppy game 6-3. As the NFL's first strike ball season comes to an end after three games, the Super Bowl champion Giants are left with an overall record of 0-5. The latest Giant killers were the Buffalo Bills, who won 6-3 in overtime Sunday at Buffalo on a 27-yard field My goal God. by Todd Schloppy. The game was marked by 258 yards and penalties, nine turnovers, and five missed field goals. Um, after returning to the team on Wednesday, the Giants' Lawrence Taylor was lined up all over the field, given pretty much free reign to cause havoc however he deemed fit. Taylor drew seven holding calls in the game. Bills coach Marv Levy said he pulled offensive lineman Blank aside on the sidelines to discuss the mounting penalties. I said to him, Blank, you've been called four times for holding at that point. And he said, Coach, that's good. I'm holding him every down. <laughs> Taylor agreed they could have called holding every fucking play that's his words not mine the umpire told me hey you're gonna have to fight through it because we can't call it on every play <laughs> uh Fred Smurlis John Butler <laughs> this uh, was the Bills center for eight years he immediately preceded Kent Hall I'm not gonna get this yeah I didn't think you guys will well the gentleman's name uh, seven holding calls when he really deserved however many offensive plays the Bills had worth of holding calls uh, was Will Grant. So Bill Center from the late 70s through the mid 80s. Uh, end of the line. This was the last game you ever played. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> held, held Lawrence Taylor. Every day. 
I love it. That, that's I'm glad that he said that too. That's a great, you know, like, forget it. I'm not even trying. Or I yep. mean, I am trying, but this is how I'm trying. Yep. This is this is how I'm trying. <laughs> this is what trying now looks like. One of my uh, favorites. That was this day at Bill's headlines. Will Grant, Lawrence Taylor, one of my favorite stories, and uh, that was October 21st. The Green Bay Packers are three and three with a negative 16 uh, point differential. They will play some football game this week against the Commanders. And then they will come to Buffalo, where I believe is it Aaron Rodgers or Green Bay has not won in Buffalo. Green Bay has never won a game in Buffalo, New York. Right. That's okay. In the entire history of the team. I will look up how many games that is while you give the preview. They beat Aaron Rodgers last time that he was remember because I remember they won that game and they were like, all they gotta do now is beat the Raiders, and then they didn't. Yep. And the Raiders <laughs> were just hideous that year. Right. They were really bad. So they laid an egg after beating them on one of these teams that could run the ball and play defense but now it will be josh allen versus aaron Rodgers, presumably and um you know an average offense and an average defense they they are kind of smack in the middle 107 points scored 116 points given up and you know buffalo coming off a bye week against at home against a, a, a middling green bay team which isn't to say that they don't have uh you know talented players obviously aaron Rodgers. um they just lost their wide receiver, though. Which guy was it? Um, who's Randall Cobb. Billy, did you say Billy Bob? Uh, oh, Randall Cobb. Yeah, Randall Cobb. One of the, <laughs> Billy <laughs> Bob Cobb. Yeah, the Bob, the Bob Cobb. Yeah, he he went down. It's uncertain whether he'll, if or when he'll be back. Um, the Bills are currently eight point favorites, eight and a half point favorites. And we, I talk. Oh, they have Sammy Watkins, so Sammy Watkins will make a yet another return uh, to to Buffalo. Um, but I, we, I talked about this briefly before the pod. I thought if they blow out the commanders, maybe the line moves a little. If they lose to the commanders, maybe the line moves a little. But otherwise, I don't think very much changes on this line because we're not going to be recording next week before the game. So we're going to take the, our bye week off, and this is it. Um, and you might get Trey White back, who at least will have to be on the roster by then because it will be um, – it's yeah, it's 21. a 21-day stretch, so I think he's got to be activated by then. Right, and it's not 21. The bye week counts as days, from what I understand. So he doesn't necessarily mean he'll play, but he will he would have to be on the roster by then. Um, so that might figure. And, you know, other than Spencer Brown, there aren't a lot of um, big injuries with the guys that have been playing, other than, obviously, Micah Hyde, who's, who's done for the year. Um, and we'll have to see how Jordan... Boyer's doing and some of these other guys who've been banged up, but presumably, you know, two weeks off or a week and a half off, that's that's going to work in the Bills' favor. Um, I'll go first because I want to get the ball rolling. I mean, I think the Bills are going to cover. I think that the Bills can are going to, you know, Sean McDermott's really good coming out of a out of a bye week. Um, I kind of want the Packers to win so they're not super hungry for a win like you might think, and I think that the Bills will send them right back into mediocrity. Um, you know, I, I just don't know that they have, the, you know, they, they, they certainly look um, lesser on offense and um, the Jets were absolutely eating them up in the game I was watching on the offensive line. I really would struggle to think what Von Miller <laughs> is capable of, um, you know, that they would be able to deal with that. Um, and again, I, I just don't ever think that anybody has the horses to run with Buffalo on the offensive side of the football, even Aaron Rodgers, 
I, I don't think he has weapons enough around him to keep up with the Bills if they play healthy and play well. So I'm going to pick the Bills. I'm going to take them by uh, I'm going to take them by 15. I think I'm going to go 35-20, um, and I think it will be decisive. And you might even see some more Case Keenum in the fourth quarter if it if it if it looks like that. Um, Scott, you haven't talked in a while. We'll start with you, and then we'll finish with Paul and get out of here. I'll take the Bills 31-20. I think I like for I think. Um, you know, again, it's it's we're going to get a lot of these games where the, the teams we're playing are mediocre, and if the Bills um, are injured or don't bring their full game, they can lose. But in this case, I don't think they will, coming off of a bye, getting a lot of guys rested, which is great for the team long term. It's just a, it's it's really, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad that we get there, um, that we made, that we did so well in the first half of the season. I think they'll pick it up. Um, kind of after the bye was a, a nice, nice win over the Packers. Uh, I think I think Green Bay will pose us a little bit of trouble um, scoring some points here and there, but ultimately I don't think that will stop us. It's the game, 31-20. Yep, the Green Bay Packers played their first game in Buffalo in 1979. They are 0-6 in Buffalo, including the last time 2014 when Green Bay was was good. They went 12-4. and They went to the NFC Championship game and lost no T. And I agree almost entirely with Frank and Scott here. I don't even think it's going to be as close as they do. I have 35-17 bills, so almost exactly Frank's score, except I don't give Green Bay that extra field goal. I just think it's a matter of Buffalo being a much better team and Green Bay being a team that's on a downward trend. We could all be proven wrong. This could be a 17-16 game that goes either way. But having watched the Packers, and we'll, of course, scout them this weekend since they're going to be on local TV for Frank and I, uh, but I just, I just don't see them competing very much with the bills in this game. So I'm with you guys. There you go. Uh, we'll also have to keep an eye on. I didn't realize that in the hurdle, Josh Allen landed and has a bruise on his butt. Ah, um, yes. Not a lacerated buttocks as Joe, Joe Serenica Twitter <laughs> used to love about Rob Johnson, but he did get a bruise. So we'll keep an eye on Josh Allen's rear end uh, as the week progresses. If there's a massive update, we'll be sure to do an emergency butt pod. Um, but in, until then, we really appreciate you listening and, and downloading uh, MNY Bills on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, hopefully we'll see. We'll talk to you again after the Bills beat the Packers. Until then, my name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.